Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Ty Smith Sr. is in the house. Let's go, Grizz. Hey, Brantley. (laughs) This happens every time, I feel like. He's here. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, Grizzlies are on a win streak right now, and so uh, the positive vibes are back, uh, if you can't already tell. if you haven't joined us, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is a podcast where we talk all things Grizz, and we're going to kick off the pod like we usually do. Uh, we're going to talk through uh, some of the recent news, updates, and games, give a few points around what we were watching, what we have seen, and what we can uh, you know, look ahead towards in regards to the Grizzlies, but then we got something special cooked up for today's episode, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of tee it up now, and then we will get to it in just a few minutes, but there was an article that came out uh, on ESPN.com, and it stirred up a lot of controversy. It's a, was the top 25 players under 25 years old, and uh, one LaMelo Ball was ranked all the way up at number three. And it it was uh, it caused a lot of fan bases to uh, get angry, how we say. And uh, this is this uh, also pertains to to Memphis because uh, our boy John Morant wasn't nearly high enough. And so what we are going to do is we're going to uh, rank our top tens under twenty five. So uh, we are going to get to that soon but first let's start off with some Grizzlies news really the the one headline here is that Zach Kleiman and company actually came out last week and commented on Jaron's status they said that he is set to return in April so that's about as specific as uh, this front office has been and so you know if Jaron returns in late April that would give him just right around 10, 12 games uh, with this squad and then whatever play-in slash postseason hopes we have after that. So um, that's the one bit of news. Guys, when you heard that, were you relieved to hear that Jaron was going to be playing or were you surprised? What was what was the initial reaction when you when you read or heard that? Ty, we'll start with you. Um. I think it's kind of what, well, it's not necessarily what I expected, but it made sense that because he hasn't played yet, and the word even from the start was like he will play this season. That was like kind of the only thing they would really say. Um, Jaron himself did the uh, undefe- is it undefeated the yeah. article that mm-hmm. he did right yep. with Mark Mark Spears. Spears, and this was for MLK Day, which is in January. And Jaron was basically like, I'll be back soon, sooner than you think. And so we were all thinking February, you know, for sure. And then February didn't happen. And then we were thinking, oh, March for sure. And then March didn't happen. And then it was, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, April for sure. And then when he came out and spoke, I was like, yeah, that that makes sense. The, the difficult thing, and we may talk a, a little bit more about this 
later, but like this summer we have some, some options of things to do potentially. And I would love to see Jaron play with this group of players and he hasn't been able to do it. So we're kind of, and he's a huge piece. Like he's probably the second most important thing we have going. Um, I mean, I guess you maybe could argue the, the best thing we have going on offense. I don't really know. Uh, but Jaron's a, he's a freak and I would, and he just opens things up so much and he's so versatile. So I kind of wanted to see what he would look like playing with the guys that we have now. And 10 games is not a big enough sample to, to know anything. What about you, Brantley? Honestly, I'm sort of just, I don't really have any emotions about it. I just, it'd be fun to sort of see him back. We're kind of doing well enough with him uh, it sort of feels like it'd be really hard to integrate him this late in the season it just feels to me like a season that has already been written off like you said just kind of no emotions at this point but I do agree about the you know even the limited data that you can can gather you might as well and also I'd be interested to see just uh the different things that Taylor Jenkins can do with him in the lineup to see how that kind of shuffles things up about you, Ty? Yeah, so I think one other point I want to make. So you mentioned how he's kind of been forgotten, like even nationally. So the top 25 list that you referenced, Jaron wasn't even in the top 25. And like DeAndre Ayton was in that list. Um, Sabonis was on that list. John Collins was on that list. Like if you would have asked me last year who would I pick to have a better career, John Collins or Jaron, I would have put Jaron 10 times out of 10. Um, I don't know if y'all agree with that. I'm sure y'all yeah. do because y'all are probably grizz goggling. But I feel like that's a normal take, right? That wouldn't shock people to say that last year. And I think people forget that he put up 43 against the Bucks, and he has more points in one quarter than any grizz in Grizzlies history, and he was 20 when he did it. Uh, and if you watch him in the bubble, that first game against Portland, he dominated the entire second half. And just worked Nurkic, and Nurkic just had nothing to do. And Nurkic supposed to be a really good defensive center. I don't know. It's just kind of Grizz fans have kind of forgotten. And to Brantley's point, like, what does it even look like when he comes back in the lineup? Um, and that's one thing I wanted to mention. Maybe we can get into it later about like what do y'all think the starting five would look like when he is available to play? Because he probably will start. Right. Well, let's just get into it now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's say for sure, Jaron and Ja, right? And Jonas. And Jonas. And Dylan. Those Dylan three. will always and, start, And Dylan, apparently. so it's really that fifth Kyle spot. or Grayson, I think, right? So would you put Kyle at the three, Dylan at the two, with Jaron at the four, or move Kyle to the bench and do Ja, Grayson at the two, Dylan at the three, Jaron at the four, Jonas at the five? I think that's what they'll do is Grayson. Yeah. Because I think Kyle's best position is four. And so if you can bring him off and, and, and play small ball even with BC in the five, if you sure. wanted to. Like a bench unit. With, yeah. 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 And uh, and even move Jaron to the five, bring Kyle in, and then kind of swap out BC for Jaron after that, if you want. I think there's more options there uh, because we also can't squeeze this two guard. We already have a, a traffic jam at two. I mean, are you going to really limit those That's minutes a great point, even more? Because you can't. Because we were talking about this before we started. Is Chris Harrington had a little article, and he kind of tweeted about it that our three best three point shooters all play the same position, so they basically never share the floor together, which is a bummer. But to your point, like we need to have one of those guys on the floor. I would argue, like all the time, 
and one of those three is Grayson, Melton, or Bain. Like one of those guys should be on the floor for 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't start one, then you're already starting without one of those guys on the floor. Brandon, what so do you think? My question is this: is we're talking about what you th- we think they would do. What do you think? Do you think that they would ever try, or do you want them to try putting like justice over Dylan? I think if they did anything, they would move Dylan to the two and then put Justice in at the three. Instead of Grayson. Yeah. But that would be – I genuinely would want to see that lineup. I mean, personally would prefer somebody different than Dylan in the two spot, but you also have to admit, like, he is playing well right now as we speak. So if he carries that on, then sure. And I also think that the organization – has shown that they're going to play, start Dylan Brooks. Like that's just not a question at this point. So, so is ju- is Justice destined to be uh, a bench player? Well, when we're fully healthy. The, the tw- big question is too: Are they going to start him, or or are they going to basically bring him off the bench because of health? Even like that's what we've seen now is like he's sitting out. He's he hasn't played in the last couple of games. He sits out back to backs. And we, we we've been bringing him off the bench in order to, you know, limit minutes. Or yeah, and I'm asking this like because he obviously hasn't deserved starting. I'm asking, and I really am sort of saying it from a, we're sort of talking about this in like a perfect health scenario, meaning if he was, if health, like when they traded for him, what did what did we sort of think that they were going to try? You know. Oh, 100% we were assuming he was going to be the starter. I Over mean, Grayson. Not like – or replacing Grayson, not replacing Dylan. I'm not, I'm sort of talking positionless, yes. positionless basketball here other than JV. I think we thought – what I'm sort of talking about. We thought Justice was going to be our, our three. And then whoever earned the spot at two. Because, I mean, Dylan really is the odd man out in regards to just the starter level players, I mean, on the team. Like, he's on a different team. I could see him being, you know, he could start on, like, 10 teams probably, but not, like, a championship team. So, I mean, at that point, Injustice has the ceiling or he's shown the flashes, but it's the consistency, I mean, and the health question always. So, I think this year Justice is destined to play 20 – 22, 25 minutes at the most, coming off the bench, kind of doing that thing. Uh, next year, after a full off season, and he's back to 100% health, I don't know. But if you look at our starting unit last year, before we traded for him, Dylan started at the two, right? And Jay played the three. And when Jay got traded and Justice couldn't play, Kyle Anderson stepped in and started at the three. So Dylan has been starting at the two for – maybe the whole time he's been a Grizz. I think they view him as the two. And this year, I think due to potential injury, and I think Jaron's injury had a lot to do with that. Um, But, yeah, I think now that he's kind of had to play the three. But Justice, I don't think think he can play in in that starting unit unless Jaron – but, again, there's such a small sample size, right? If Jaron comes out shooting 43% from three on like eight attempts like he did last year, that is a whole nother realm of shooting. But as the lineup currently stands, like if you take out Grayson and add Justice into that mix, there's zero shooting on the floor. 
unless Dylan has like a hot game and Kyle maybe, you know, can hit a few. Kyle's fine from three. He's not like a I'm scared of him shooting a three if I'm the opponent, right? If he's wide open in the corner, he may take one and make it, but he's not like a I don't fear him, right? Well, Justice's shooting this year is worse than Kyle's three point shooting exactly. last year. Oh, so think about Justice starting is, both of those guys. That would be really tough and spacing. Yeah, so I'm asking these questions because I think the reaction is fascinating because, to me, it puts a pretty interesting light on the future investment probably that we would want to see made in Justice. We basically are saying we don't think he's a starter. Yeah, well, I think he could be. And the problem is, is that he hasn't shown any sign that he can do that this year. And I think also the the problem here is, you know, I think there is a debate to be had on whether it's worth opening up the cap space that would be his hold. Which is around, like, what, 14, 15? 13 to 15 yeah. in there, yeah. And, and but at the same time, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, it would be pretty embarrassing for the front office not to pick it up if they made this trade last year. And this is the same regime. It's not a new regime. So they don't like to me, they have an investment in justice too. And at the end of the day, I mean, that doesn't kill you. It's not like picking up a $28 million option. You know, you still have flexibility and also. Well, strategically it makes sense to pick up the team option versus versus lose the asset, losing the asset. So I agree with you there. But then it's how much are you then willing to just re- to super commit to the asset versus like trying to leverage it and get off of it next year too in like some sort of trade. Yeah, and I, but also too, I think it's important. I think the I don't exactly know the rules around extending justice and whether that has to be a conversation this off season. Usually extensions have to happen a year before they kick in, and so but that it's not always that way. Yeah. So I'd be interested actually to do more research on that and see, do you know? No, I don't know. But if we don't extend him this summer, then he enters free agency unrestricted. Correct. So like we technically, I mean, we could still offer him a really big contract, but another team could also do the same. We don't have his hold at it. We have no rights to him at all. Right. If we wait, if we do it this summer, we have his rights still. So we're the only team that can technically negotiate with him. So right? could you see us like doing like a three-year, you know, extension or something like that? That's the question to me. That's that is the biggest question this offseason to me. At a decent level, like what would you? What would be an extension for three years? So my first when we, we uh, did with Dylan, right? We extended him for three years. Yeah, we did a three-year extension for around yeah. thirty million, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three million. He's getting like eleven-ish million a year um would you justice, do that with justice yeah for sure yeah i think i that's, would that's about the range but then my thought was like call for more. the Jonas. my thought was the Jonas extension my thought was like three for like 45 so you're giving him like 15 million ish a year based on the production is my justice thought. has shown this year and his injury history you think he would get what jv gets no, I don't. But that's that was my number initially before got it, got it. everything happened. But will you were saying I, you think it could be? I think um, a team would do that. Though. I do. Yeah. That's why I think. And I think we would, would do that. I think the market would would potentially yeah. be there mainly because of his defense. I mean, that's and one he's thing. Twenty four. He's still right. a really young. Like he and Brandon Clark are the same age, which is nuts. 
Yeah. And Justice has shown the ability to be a fantastic perimeter defender and like a really good multi-positional offensive player. It's just not not this year. He has 37% true shooting, which for Horrific. reference, 55% true shooting is league average. That's like, average. Yeah. Can you play him in a playoff series other than just like in big defensive stands with that true shooting percentage? No. Unless, I think, unless no. He, you have Jaron, Bain, Ja, like Bain and Bain and Jaron. Okay, for reference mainly. to our to our to grandfather, do we know whatever what was the season with his worst true shooting percentage? Was he ever we around don't know. that mark? I mean, I can look it up, but it would take a second. Yeah, and Tony was I don't I doubt it. Arguably like the best perimeter defender in the league. And and at times in the playoffs when we were competing for making it deep. So like I know the next couple of years we're not like I'm not expecting us to necessarily make a deep run. But, like, I would say in the next year or two with this current team, we'd be like, we should make a playoff series and be competing. For sure, in the first. Winning a couple, yeah. couple games in the first, whether we're Definitely. seven or six seed. So, I just think as we loved Tony Allen, and, I, you know, his story has kind of been written incorrectly after that Golden State series where he was injured and they did the whole Bogut thing on him. So, Grizz fans remember that correctly. But So, I'm saying we – right. Regardless, regardless of that one series, he still had shooting woes in a in a league that wasn't as dominant from outside as it is today. Right, and it was noticeable. So Tony Allen, twenty thirteen season when we went to the Western Conference Finals, forty nine percent true shooting. That's a that's pretty. Which, it's a lot it's a better good comparison to me, right? I mean, that's what you would hope justice could be like that at some point on this team for sure and i think justice also not in, like tony not that level right but that type of player yeah tunic yes i think defensively if he can give you that that if you're justice can give you that that'd be awesome that no you're not but the like the beauty of justice on his offensive again this is previous to the the injury previous to the i'm talking about miami heat justice winslow is he started, like, the whole big thing with him is, like, there was one playoff year where he started for the Heat at, like, three separate positions in different, like, series. He played, like, center some. He played point guard some. So, like, I think the thing with him is, A, he can, like, initiate offense. He can be a playmaker. Like, Tony was never going to do that. Tony was just going to, like, make timely cuts, and he had the best passing center in the league on his team that would just feed him inside. But if Justice can't, like – make plays if you can't like shoot from outside because I think you have to be some form of a threat to then make plays right unless you're someone like Ja who's just a freak of nature but like Kyle Anderson that's why things have opened up so much for him because he's a decent threat to shoot now like when he wasn't a decent threat to shoot he couldn't do that much offensively because team didn't respect that and I think for Justice to be that creator like in the open floor and in open space even in the half court he's got to be some form of a threat to do something offensively to turn into a creator but I think Justice's like highest ceiling on offense is not a score it probably never will be a score but to like create and facilitate and run the pick and roll with like he and Jaron pick and roll stuff like little stuff like that I think he could do which Tony could never do but Tony was also the best perimeter defender in the league and for like a five-year stretch what I yeah what I want to see from Justice though is at at a minimum I want to see him uh, start finishing around the rim first and just try to get to the free throw line. Like that to me, like three point uh, shooting at this point for him. I mean, he can't, he can't possibly bring that percentage up high enough to where it's at the end of the season at a respectable 
place. I mean, we can look at it in a you know smaller sample at the end, but like he to me just has to slash attack on offense and facilitate, like you said. So we'll see. I mean, I do think he could be valuable in the play in in the playoffs as a um, a stopper. You know, for you know if we were to play uh, Phoenix, like throw him on Bridges or, or uh, Booker. Booker, yeah, like he's at least somebody you can rely on on that end, but. It's it's true. It's been bad. So the game one like point on that, and then we can move on. I feel like I've been harping on this too much. So the first time we played the Heat at home, it was just a, like a slugfest, right? There was a point I think it was like in the second quarter, or early third quarter, where Jimmy Butler was just going berserk, and Dylan was guarding him. Dylan was the primary defender, and you could hear. Dylan got subbed out, and when he got subbed out, Justice came in for him to guard Jimmy. And Jimmy was yelling, Justice, come get your boy. Basically, like, Dylan ain't got no shot at guarding me. If y'all want to go rewatch that game, rewatch it when Justice comes in the game and guards Butler. Jimmy does nothing for, like, six minutes of game time. Justice, just because he's super strong, he's pretty quick, crazy physical, and he just basically shut him down. And Jimmy was on a tear there for, like, probably five, six minutes. I think that's the value. And I I think... Even if it's in, like, six-minute bursts, like, 15 minutes a game, six, seven minutes in the first half, same in the second half. But can you spend $14 a year on that kind of player? No. not You're hoping that he's more than that. No. Not... If you have other guys that can survive at that level in terms of defense, then no, you can't justify having him on the roster at that amount in my opinion but we'll talk way more about that obviously as we get going into uh the latter part of the season and the off season but just let's hit real quick kind of at a high level we were on a four game win streak at this point it's funny because I feel like we get to these conversations here and we're, we're automatically thinking about this team in terms of uh, what it can be and and looking ahead which is I think appropriate for this season you know, in a season where we're in the playoff hunt, I think breaking down game by game is uh, valuable. But now we're we're more so looking at trends, and I think one trend that we've seen is that this team has to give DeAnthony Melton minutes. Uh, speaking of true shooting, with Justice Winslow being at thirty-seven, DeAnthony Melton right now first on the team in true shooting at sixty-one percent, which is absurd. And he is uh, has become a legitimate three point threat. Um, he has he he just does everything for us, and um, it's ironic too that at the same time we're also seeing Grayson Allen uh, just really get hot from three as well. So we have this traffic jam, but I think the point is is that Melton was getting these DNPs, you know, in the last time we talked over the course of like six games, and then now. He seems to be a guy that you can't afford not to play. What I mean, do y'all agree with that, or y'all? What do y'all think about how Melton's looked and and how he fits? I think I think Melton is, uh, yeah, like he's a must play, and it's kind of crazy that he gets such limited minutes that he gets. Even when he's playing well, he's only getting like eighteen to twenty minutes a game, which is crazy. Um, and to your point about the three point shooting, so when we had. Um, Matt Harlicka on he kind of talked about one thing the Grizzlies really really need is like an off the dribble three point shooter right if y'all remember 
he mentioned this is in trade talks, and he mentioned like, hey, what if like Eric Eric Gordon, and we get a first rounder, and he his reason why is because like we need an off the dribble three point shooter that can just go create like create a three point shot. D'Anthony's been doing some of that stuff. Like some of these shots he's taking is just like straight up pull up threes. They're not necessarily like catch and shoot. Most of them are catch and shoot because he's playing that type of position on the wing where he he doesn't really have the ball in his hands a ton. And I think we mentioned this last time too. I would love to see some of that change. I would love to see him play backup point guard without Tyus in the game and just kind of see what him and Bain look like in as the backcourt on the floor together. Um, and his defense, he creates seals. He's a great rebounder. He's long as hell. He's like 6'2", like a 7-foot wingspan. It's insane. He's also only 22 years old, which is nuts. Um, yeah, D'Anthony's by far like a fan favorite. I think all like Grizz nerds especially are just obsessed with him. Um, and rightfully so. And he's like he's like called – or what's it called? Like uh, when you like challenge someone, like something the bell. Like he answered the answered Answer the, call. the bell. Answer the bell, something like answer the call. I, I don't know right. what it is. Either way, anytime like he's hasn't played, and then he comes back and like Jenkins gives him minutes, he answers the call every time. He plays well almost every time he's out there on the floor. Yeah, he just he just seems to have this different level of energy this year than he did last year to me. Um, and I I mean on top of the fact that he's just playing really well, he seems you know for the right reasons exceptionally confident in all of his shot attempts last year, I feel like he felt really confident. I think in the elbow area, I just remember feeling like anytime he would take a shot around the elbow, I felt like it was going in. He's kind of become that guy, you know, I, I say this way too much, but he's just become a guy now outside and, you know, behind the arc where you just feel like he's going in all the time. And that true shooting percentage, I think is speaking to it. And, you know, Verno talks about this frequently that he just feels like he's sort of, what's happening to him is exactly what happened to Tony Allen for a while with Lionel in terms of you, it, you Lionel for whatever reason for the first couple of years of TA just didn't want to put him on the court. Would, have y'all heard Verno say that? What do you think about that in terms of just com- like what was happening to hit the more from a playing yes, time perspective, absolutely. not like the player comp. Absolutely. I, I think that it's the same deal where somebody getting hurt is the reason why, D'Anthony started playing again because Grayson was out for that concussion stuff. D'Anthony was inserted into the lineup and all of a sudden good things started to happen for him. And it's funny too, because like I said earlier, like Grayson also hasn't lost his spot. If anything, he's just played better. Yeah. So it's like they're lifting each other up a little bit. Such a crazy problem. Cause it's, it's, it's one of those things where, I think we can see that D'Anthony has a higher ceiling. It feels like Grayson. This is sort of what he's playing. How he's playing right now is about the best you can expect out of him. Which he scored thirty last night against the Hawks and was like an integral part of that run that we made. And at the same time, I think that Milton provides more defensive chops and now is showing that he can offensively affect the game too so i mean it's just it is going to be fascinating the decisions and and like you were saying ty like grayson's on the books next year for nothing so i mean why would you let go of that but at the same time like they're i don't know it's a great problem to have 
in the regular season because yeah. you do need some depth, particularly the way that our, you know, we're ending the season from a scheduling perspective. When you get into a playoff scenario, that's where it could become really interesting. And, you know, early in these guys' career, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter as much in terms of who's going to get the primary amount of minutes. I do think what Ty, what you're talking about, it's almost like if there was a roadmap for both of these players, for Grayson and, and Melton, it's like Tyus is helping us still win while we're developing Melton into like this different, like to diff, to develop different skill sets to be a long long term piece, and then he could he could eventually replace the minutes that Melt or that um, that Tyus is giving us a little bit and get more minutes. Like he doesn't have the pieces to his game yet where we really can trust him in the backup scenario at times, but that's, that needs to be part of his development plan. And like right now it's like, just get your shot down and it's like, he's got it. So he really doesn't have the point guard chops to me. I mean, that was so evident in the bubble and he was so out of rhythm. He really seems like an off the ball kind of player to me. And he has, to your point, he has developed, I think, some more, you know, kind of off the dribble type, um, you know, shots this year. But it's not like running the offense. No, I agree. 100%. Um, That's the scary thing, right? If you give him the reins, we've done it before and it hadn't worked out great. Uh, But also to your initial point, he's playing, he's like a different player this year, though. Even compared to the bubble, like his confidence is crazy high. My thing is, so when we played Utah, one thing that was really evident, even when they were really healthy, we played them. So we played them on a back-to-back. Then we played like a game in between and played them again. We basically played them three out of the four games we had, something like three out of five. I don't remember exactly what it was. They played eight players. That's like all they played. 100% healthy. They ran eight guys out. We run 10 regardless, which is fine. I get it. We're young. I completely understand that. Like we're not necessarily – living and dying by every game. We're not playing for a one seed like Utah is. But they played eight players every night. What, like, I, that's, and one thing I thought about is, like, if we played eight guys, what eight would that be? And, like, we don't have to go into this, but it's just something to be thinking about. Like, would, and my point was, like, would Tyus make the eight? No. There's no way, right? Not in a play, in the future, No. It's so tricky because then he, you're losing like so many. Even if you look at like Jaron being healthy, like Kyle's gonna play, uh, Bain's gonna play. You would think it's tough. It it's is so, so tricky tough because I could see a scenario where he does, but I also don't think that if you're, I don't think he brings enough to the table necessarily to. Uh, he would have to, to me, add one extra part of his game. Whether that's refining, yeah, Tyus, okay. refining his three-point shot to make it actually consistent because right now it seems up and down. Or his um, defense, like he would just have to get better um, in that area. But I also think it's a matchup deal as well. But I, I, the spirit of what you're saying, I agree with. Like, we couldn't necessarily afford not to play somebody else uh, behind Tyus at that point. Yeah, and another point on DeAnthony, when we were looking at like, so obviously the trade deadline was a few weeks ago. Every time I was like throwing players into trades, I never added DeAnthony in a trade. You didn't want to. 
No, yeah. that's the point. I was like, God, do not want another you give team up to have Grayson, him. but you didn't want to give up Dan. Yeah, and that's crazy because Grayson's arguably playing better. I don't know. I mean, Grayson's lights out every time he leaves his hand. We text about this all the time. Like, I close my eyes and I'm like, it's probably going in. But I never wanted to. I didn't want to lose the Anthony. Like, I wanted to hang on to him really bad, and I think that means something. Could a uh, could you ever see a um, jaw? D'Anthony, Justice, BC, Jaron lineup being really fun? It'd be hella fun. Absolutely it would. Defense would be through the roof if Job wants to try to play defense every now and then. But we could run and get out on the break. I think Jaron's going to be – I think we forget how good he is. I think I forget how good he is. I can like – We totally If do. I close my eyes and just think back to what he was doing at some points last year, it was freakish. Yeah. Like, he is an animal. He, did, he hit a different point in the bubble. He is an animal. He shot 40% from three. He's a 21-year-old seven-footer on like eight attempts a night. We did the whole unicorn index in a podcast last year, and we basically said no player in the league is shooting and blocking shots at the rate that he is. No one, period, in I the league have is doing Excel it. spreadsheet if we need to go back and revisit it. Like, Jaron is – hopefully becomes one of one. He's just a freak. Yep. I think him – yeah, I think – if he's shooting the way that he's shooting, I think back to your point that opens up justice being able to play and not be a threat to shoot. Can I add a different comment, maybe about some one small thing that we've talked about before, and I just we don't talk about it enough. I don't think, and that's just that. And I've I've wavered on this. I think in the past, by the way, so I'm going to fully acknowledge that to the listening audience out there. I think JV is just really, really important. I think he – at one point I talked about, like, wanting to trade him because I just think he had so much value to us. But, like, having him in the type of role that he is right now for our team, he just – It is very important. He is very – he just – I don't know, man. He's not – like, I used to get so frustrated with Mark sometimes as much as I loved Mark. I The only time I get frustrated with JV is, like, once – a couple every now and then, like, he'll have a game where he just, like, can't catch the basketball. Yes, yeah. But then other than that, he's aggressive. He's, great. he's yeah, an aggressive he's mark. Like he's a 20 and 15 whenever you want it. And I think there's data out there now like the analytics bros are trying to show how like double doubles aren't important as important get the, anymore. Get the out of here. To me though, it's less about that. It's less about the numbers and more about the um it's it's more about the space that he takes up and the the consistency the consistency of that and just that you know we have a guy that we know can he- go head to head look at him against any center in the league he still gets his numbers every time it's not like any center is holding him to 7 points and 6 boards like he's going to get 20 and 12 every night what was the game that you sent us the the JV mic'd up video oh. after, we haven't we haven't potted it was since a, then it was a beyond grit they do this docu series grind city media does for the grizzlies i would highly recommend it's like 6 minutes of jonas mic'd up uh, I I can't remember the game. It was the game that he like totally like muscled out on somebody at one point <laughs> and like flexed. Oh, it was against uh, Wiz. It was against the Wiz. Wagner because he and yeah. Mo Wagner got into it. And Mo Wagner was well, maybe like we was asking out of the game. Talked about Bertans afterwards, or was this a different Wiz game? I can't remember. That's a, it was awesome. No, it was did. the same game because that's when we came up with our woats. <laughs> that's Worst right. Worst of all times. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that was that's exactly right. But no, that go watch it. It's beyond grit. It's the Jonas episode. Yeah, Ty. I think a cool thing about Jonas, and to your point about the double double thing, like you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard it believe, a couple I, times. I believe that I have. Was that is that an original? Yeah, tie? I just thought of it. So, not only is he a double double machine, but this this stat for the day for for you guys listening, he leads the entire NBA post All Star break in rebounding. He's a rebounding machine. Mm. If you look at our team's maybe worst thing is rebounding, people would argue that rebounding doesn't really matter that much. Back to the original quote, you don't know what you got till it's gone. When you lose somebody that is such a great rebounder like he is, I think you start to feel it because I think you're looking around and be like, God, we just, I feel like we can't, we can't keep possessions or we, why is this team getting so many second chance opportunities? You don't realize it till it's not there. And I think he adds value in the shadows, meaning that it's not like a highlighted part of the game, but you really don't see his, impact all the time but when it's not there it would be like a q-beam flashlight shining on a weakness yeah and he to me is a um insurance against when the three-point shot isn't falling like every time i feel like jenkins is saying like just dump it down to him whenever we're, we miss like three shots in a row it's like he's a bucket like, our number one out of the timeout when we're struggling play is when we do a couple dribble handoffs, get Jonas on like the opposite block of the ball. Whoever's on the block closest to the ball goes and does the cross screen. Mm-hmm. Jonas flashes to the paint, entry pass to him, little hooks. I don't yep. remember the last time that hasn't worked. Yep. It works every time. And Ja loves to dish it off when he drives too. And Jonas yeah, and it, will yes. drop it every once in a while. <laughs> and then he'll He use catches it. a lot of it. He does of the catch time, a lot he's of good. Yeah. And he knows his place. Like Yes. Back to, again, the Jaron topic. Last year, if y'all remember, the last 25 games of the year, BC really started coming on. We closed games, like the last seven minutes of the game. It was Jaron and BC at the four and the five every time. Like, if Jonas, if a matchup called for it, he was really hot, he was dominating down paint, we would maybe leave him in. There's a lot of games that he was not closing, though. And he was fine with it. Man, this is is just... Jonas, come on the pod, my guy. What a a fun team. I mean, just like so many pieces to discuss, and we're not yet – we're in that honeymoon of you're not having to make the hard decisions yet uh, so we can really see what we have. And I think at the same time we're, you know, over 500 in a year that most teams probably would have mailed it in. So – Last last topic maybe? Yeah, go for it. This is not a Dylan Brooks podcast. So you're, it's going to be hard for me to talk positively about his performance. Tread lightly here. So I'm going to ask y'all to. <laughs> well, okay. What what I will say. But he has played. He he's, has played well. He has played well, and he also has done it to me. The most important part of it was it wasn't a one game occurrence. It was a back to back. In in two consecutive games, we saw Dylan. Um, bring the energy at, in a quarter where we could have let the game slip away. And he truly was the one that kept the energy. And I think though we fault him for all things that are deserved, one thing we can never fault him for is his energy, even though 
a lot of times the energy is very annoying uh, to us because sometimes it leads to, to shots that shouldn't be taken. He, I think, uh, speaking as now at Trade Brooks on Twitter, uh, Dylan's trade value is only going up, which we can all celebrate. We so. can celebrate. And at the same time, if up. his trade value is going up, it means that he's also playing well and contributing in positive ways. So it's truly a win-win. Okay, I'll I'll just pour cold water on that just because that's what we need to do anyway. It's <laughs> been like three games, right, against Philadelphia. He was just throwing up stuff, and they happened to go in. He did this the entire month of January <laughs> last year, so we decided to extend him. And then after January, he was shooting like three below 30% from everywhere. And it wouldn't shock me if he goes on a seven-game streak where he's like 25% from three and can't hit any of these crazy one-legged jumpers from 18 feet. So, yeah, he's had a few good games in a row there he's, where he's made shots that were not like the – he's not still not like in rhythm within the offense shots. He Like, Philly, he was just pulling up from everywhere, and they happen to go in, and Dylan will do that every now and then. So what you're saying is just don't be fooled, Chris. D- don't do the whole tweet like Dylan Brooks Island thing Agreed. because, like, you're going to flood on that island in, like, a week. Or, like, what – I mean, Sane embraces him more than any, like, Grizz pundit out there. He – it's. I think he, I, he embraces the chaos around Dylan more than anything. It? Yeah. But he also is a Dylan, like – He'll still be a Dylan stan, uh, but I think he loves just the the insanity of Dylan. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I still just cringe when I see him do good. It's not a win win <laughs> for me. I, like it just like makes me. It just makes me mad. I would love to see. I would love for the front office to be like, hey, you know what? Let's just. Cash in. Let's just like sit him the rest of the year, see what it happens to like start, you know, other people in a positionless basketball scenario. And we've got his value high, so we'll just let it ride. And I mean, I know this is fake strategy, so don't take this, don't, don't take this to the bank. But no, I think, I think the argue, the counter to it is just that people will argue he's a poor man's Marcus Smart, where it's just like he's a no, no, yes when he shoots, and then he's a pest on the defensive end. So, let me ask you this. What if you gave Melton Dylan's minutes and shot attempts? I would be a fan. What if Melton played 30 minutes a night and shot it 17 times a game? I would love it. Do you think Melton would be averaging the same as Dylan? Do you think it'd be better than Dylan? Do you think his efficiency would be as good as it is now? Like You know what? Where are you at there? I think know? this is a good social experiment because I would love to see what people, how people react if if Melton were to put up the same percentages that Dylan has put up historically. I think we've gotten conditioned to expect it from Dylan, and if we see it from another player, we would freak out. Be like, why are we playing this guy? But the the percentages would be like more appealing percentages. It wouldn't be these like BS shot attempts. No, what I'm saying is though, like it would be I think it's it's it would be point I don't think Melton would ever shoot that badly in a real since I'm just saying, thinking about it in a different kind of way, like what if another player on the Grizzlies were to shoot the same okay. poor percentage as Dylan? They would, the media members that are defending Dylan would freak out, whereas they're just conditioned now to expect it from Dylan, therefore they don't. But I agree. The shots would be completely different. They'd be much better, and it, the percentages would be higher, 100%. I but, just feel like we would flow so much better. It's, it's, 
I think Jaron should be our leading shot taker whenever. I'm probably not when he comes back for ten games. I would like love next it. year if Jaron doesn't lead us in shots, we're doing something wrong. You heard it here first, man. Uh, we were planning on having the bulk of our pod be this top. It 10 still list, can be, and it still can be. But man, it felt good to talk about the Grizz. This there, is the end of part one. Please join That's us right. for part two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brantley's going to get another beer. He uh, and we. I love too how we have all these conversations, and at the end, realize we haven't talked about our best player. But Ja, it was. It's been a weird up and down stretch with Ja because I think he's. What you mean, Conchar? <laughs> Jitty. Uh, ja had. Uh, some weird turnovers um, in the last game against the Hawks, which just is a beautiful win anytime we can beat the Hawks. And at the same time, you look at the end of the game, I mean, like, he's he's the heart and soul still. Like, how he goes is how we go. Um, and I think his impact can't be understated. And we'll probably get into his impact here in just a minute. We probably will. Um, so... <laughs> That's a, that's just a segue into our next segment, um, which I will uh, introduce here. Like I said at the top, there's this article on ESPN that came out about the top 25 players under 25. We decided to take this matter into our own hands. And um, before we reveal our lists, which I think we should do it from 1 to 10 on each one, and uh, maybe we can go, you know, one at a time, and just reveal our each of our number ones, each of our number twos, and, and such. Love that. And before we get started, let's talk about the way we went about making this list and the criteria by which we did. Because I think the the prompt on ESPN was future potential. This is what we're basing this on, and that's that's a very broad statement. So I'm interested to hear how you guys made decisions on this. Uh, and then we can reveal the list. Don't reveal any names with your reasoning, but just give me the how you thought about going into this. So uh, the Memphis Grizzlies franchise, based out of Memphis, Tennessee, I think has two really, really phenomenal ceiling players on our roster under this age. So I simply just looked at it at the list and said, if I had to replace, if I got the opportunity to replace one of them or or either of them, who would I take ahead of them? Mm. That is a really interesting way to go about it. Um, I went about it as, uh, in terms of, can this player be the best player on a championship team? And can I see that happening? And I went down the list of, I also said, how much do I have to, um, how much do I value this player in in a way that I would build the entire system around him? And so, as I, the one at the top, I think is the, the um, easiest, necess- or not the easiest, but just like the one where it's a no-brainer that you build around and, and, and so on. And so we'll go through, I'll go through the reasoning on each one too, but Ty, what about you? Well, yeah, we were similar. Um, I think we all probably were. And the fact that who has the most like impact on winning uh, was pretty much mine. 
not necessarily like who's going to go get me the most points. Like projecting forward, who do I think? Like if I had to, part of it was like if I had to just give the ball to somebody and get them go get a bucket, that had like an aspect. But also like who is just, who impacts winning the most? Who can like dominate a game, even if it's not offensively, like even defensively. There's a guy on my list that like defensively I feel like in a game could just absolutely dominate the game defensively. So I think that's that was my criteria. Whew. All right. Um who wants to go first to reveal the number one? Can I say I think that we should I, I think we might all agree on the number one. It's the easiest if y'all don't have this the same person as me, then I'm gonna I have I, I'm I think test we did. y'all for it's Luca. It's Luca drugs. Yeah, you it, you can't not say it's Luka Doncic. He's twenty two years old, which is b- b- just insane. Um, if he never gets better, I would still pick where him he is. right now. This if, is, knowing that he would never improve, right? He would still be my pick number one. In his third year, he was the favorite to win the MVP in terms of betting odds before the season started, like. That's like Ja next year being the leader in the clubhouse for MVP before the season started. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious. He's also, I think, out of a lot of these players, I would say, shown how he can lead in the playoffs and lead a team to win. I mean, he had a really tough matchup against the Clippers. Uh in that series last year, but yeah, no, I think that's number one. Yep, definitely. Uh, number two, Ty, who'd you have for number two? I'm changing my number two. What? Oh, All right, can, can you do that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm changing my three and you four. You wrote it down on real paper. <laughs> and Ty actually has a pen and paper. I'm changing my three and four. Okay, uh, my well, number two is Tatum. Um, back to your point about playoff stuff. Tatum at, like, 20, I wouldn't say went toe-to-toe with LeBron, but definitely, like, made himself known against LeBron. And Tatum is, like, their guy going forward. They have made three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals, I want to say, as Tatum their best player. Um, If he starts to kind of figure out when to pick his spots, I think he has all the tools in the world. He's 6'9". He can score pretty much anywhere on the floor. I think when he wants to like lock in defensively, he can do it. And back to my criteria in the beginning, like who could I see like either taking over a playoff series or taking over a game? I think Tatum is second on that list behind Luca. Yeah, he's my number two as well. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh I have Zion number two. Get the are you serious? I do. I do. I think that he has shown enough to me. He'll be out of the league in three years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Zion really is my number two. You would and take I, Zion over Ja? Uh-huh. Okay. And I, I'm, ta- I'm also thinking the next 10 years. I'm thinking the next 10 years, and I'm also hmm. – um, I think there is a real sense of uh, he is – he, to me – has a a gear that not a lot of players have. And he also has the the size to exercise his will at any point in time. The one knock I would say against Zion is that he is um 
slightly as a as a guy who plays down on the block, which he can also bring it up, which is insane. But as a guy who who generally as a position starts down low, he is he is dependent at some level on somebody else around him. But I think building around him correctly could yield to the second highest results on all these guys under 25, right below Luca. So that's why I have uh, Zion. When is the appropriate time for us to agree or disagree based on where our lists are? Well, I think we're we're getting there pretty okay. soon. Okay, cool. So two, y'all had Tatum. I had Zion. Yeah. All right, three. Yeah. Brantley, yeah. who you have? Okay, I have I have Donovan Mitchell, number nice. three. Nice. Uh, same. Because wow, top three is the same. Yeah, I I mean. The best team in the NBA this year went toe-to-toe last year with Western Conference finalists. The Nuggets was basically a couple, you know, a Mike Conley shot away from beating the Nugs. And I would say it was largely because of him. I, yeah. He, yeah. Here, here's my counter. He is uh, basically barely made, well... I can't really say that very, very much as a knock because I mean, like all these guys being under twenty-five, that's still really young. He is on the older side of this, which is fine. Uh, I also had he, I had the most trouble with Donovan Mitchell, and I think it'll be revealed when you see where he is on my list. Um, but right, why'd you rate him number I, three? I, yeah, go ahead, Will. I'll answer right after you. Um, no, I mean you go ahead because y'all are talking about Mitchell right okay. now, but I won't talk until he. So, to Brantley's point, against the Nuggets, he went berserk. And he has been thrown to the fire since he was a rookie. When they played Houston his rookie year in the playoffs, Utah had nothing but him. It was all on his shoulders, and he either had to score 35 or they lost. And there was a few games in there as a rookie where he put up like crazy numbers against Houston and they won. And I think everything he's been thrown to the fire time after time after time, and I think he's twenty four, correct? Twenty four and a half. Twenty four and a half. Okay, he's twenty four. <laughs> he can score anywhere on the floor. When we play the Jazz, I'm terrified. Anytime he has the ball and he crosses half court, he can shoot. He can drive. He's a pretty good defender, and he shows up in big moments. And this year, I think the biggest difference is he's now consistently doing it. So if you look back at the Denver series, Jamal Murray also went berserk, right? Jamal Murray played us in a game earlier this year, and he went one for nine. Completely no-show. Complete disappeared, right? Donovan Mitchell doesn't have any of those games anymore. Donovan Mitchell is consistently great on the offensive end of the floor, and he can do so much. And again, back to my list making, if three minutes left, it's a tight game, you're going to throw the ball to somebody and say, hey, go get us a bucket. Donovan Mitchell is probably top three on that list. And I know there are other aspects to games, but that's a huge important game when you're trying to win a title. And I think Donovan Mitchell, that's his best quality is he's going to go get you a bucket. That's good. Uh, He's in my top five. I have Ja Morant three, and I think that there's an argument to be made about, uh, I think that the haters would say 
the shooting is the biggest issue, which we would also, I would think, agree with that. However, I don't see, I don't see a point guard like Ja in the league. Uh, he has a, uh, I don't even know how to, an intangible aspect to his game where he his IQ is through the roof. However, he finds a way. That's the thing. He he finds a way to get it done at the highest level despite his size. I think he's only going to get bigger. I think he's only going to get better. And a shot is something that you can get um you can get that right. Like you cannot wake up one day and be able to do what he does on the court in terms of his vision, in terms of his leadership. I think that he has um a long way to go, which is why I put this is this is definitely putting the most eggs in this basket on on future potential um, here to be this high in the list when you compare him to the other guys. Um, but I do believe like he belongs in this top three. Uh, I think he can take this franchise to a championship level. You just have to build around him correctly. And I think Zion and he are very similar in that way. In that you build around them correctly, they have a higher ceiling than some of these guys who are amazing players but they also control a lot more in terms of offense but I also think that they're a little bit more difficult to build around because of the way that they um the way that they need the ball Ja is such a great distributor and can play any style you just have to put the weapons around him but he can still be the best player on the championship team even with that so he that's why I put him at three so and he's 21 let's I put Ja fourth okay so if you remember, like my list was who would I take over our two like franchise pillars. So Jaws fourth. So I'm basically saying the only people right now under 25 that I would take ahead of Ja is Luca, Jason, and Donovan Mitchell. And I'm saying the like the reason why I'm ranking him above maybe even like Zion, who's already been mentioned, is because I I think the effects winning thing really matters. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really highly I'm putting a lot of uh, value into his performance last season and how he impacted winning for us last season against some against some high quality, not below under twenty five age stars, and him also doing it this year without our second best player. Right. What would this team be like without Ja this year? Oh. Would we be competing for a playoff spot without Ja? We would be worse than the Thunder. So, to me, considering how competitive the West is, and we're competing for a top eight playoff spot right now, in a pretty decent spot for at least the, at a minimum the play in, you have to give all of that credit to Ja, and it's not getting enough attention to me. Yeah, we're it's getting Agreed. overlooked, way overlooked. Um. Just to round it out, what who is your, who's your fifth? Because I think we can we can go top five of each of us. My fifth is Booker. Nice, because dude can score. I don't. I think that he's needed some veteran presence around him this year to help pull like performance out of him a little bit and a, and better coaching. And um, I think he's sort of learning the way that he needs to play the, the guy's never been on a winning in a winning situation until this year essentially and so i think it's demonstrating it 
and I can't honestly if I were to think about like players that I'm most excited to see in a playoff context right now he's maybe like number one or two I can't wait to see yeah. if he has another level to turn on in a highly competitive playoff the series. bubble was a mini playoffs for them in a way yeah and you saw how he at the highest stakes they couldn't lose a game to yep. even have a chance yep so Ty what about you so my I had uh Again, Mitchell three, Zion four, Ja five. Nice. Um, I'm not going to re-harp the Zion thing because I everything you said. So one thing about Ja and where he differs from. Can this, I ask y'all a question first on Zion? Yeah, Both sure. Of you. Yeah. Why does them not winning matter to you I this think, year? Well, I think he's completely, um, like he is the one. He Ingram is playing really, really well, and Ingram's really good. But Zion is uh, completely an outlier on this team. Like it doesn't. He is. He couldn't do more than what he's doing. Y'all are basically saying Zion is should be rated highly, but the team is so poorly built around him right now that that's why they're losing so bad. I think that's an aspect, but also I think if like Stan Van Gundy walked in the locker room and just looked Brandon Ingram in the eye in front of everybody and be like, yo, B.I., this is Zion's team. Give me the key so I can hand it to him. I think the team would just flow a lot differently. And I think Ja has benefited from us doing that from the jump. Right. When Ja got drafted, the entire organization was like, yo, Ja, this is you. You are the Memphis Grizzlies moving forward. I think if New Orleans would have done that from the start with Zion, I think it would maybe reflect a little bit differently. But there's a lot of conflict going on there. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of maybe pieces that don't necessarily fit. I don't know if the front office has done a good job. They basically just kind of grasp at every good player that they can find and just kind of throwing them onto the floor. And I don't think it's putting Zion in the best position. I think if he wasn't on their team, I think they'd be a lot worse. I'll say that. 100%. And, yeah, I don't think that – But I get your point. I get it that they should be a lot better because they are really talented, but the team, it's not like a team. It's like one guy doing one thing, then one guy does something else, and this guy does something else. There's not like unity in what they're doing, and I think that's a lot to do with coaching and maybe roster, maybe Zion too, but I think Zion is also 21 years old and has shown the ability to be an offensive force unlike any player in the NBA Maybe right now. So that is true, but I'm also going to reframe that a little bit in saying that I think he he's so unique that it's going to be really hard for them to build the right team around him, which is to me why his ceiling is limited. I think I get he that is too. Unbelievably athletic, and he is this weird, different type of unicorn. I don't know what you call him—an alligator or something. What's another really like a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Some awesome like different like King Kong. Yeah, man. like I don't know what it is. He's he a is, beast. He's incredible to watch and fun. I just. I don't know. I just think I think the hype around him, I think it's going to be really tough for the Pelicans to build the right team around him as much regardless of how many awesome assets they have because that just I think it's going to take a lot of trial and error before he gets there versus someone like Ja has unbelievably awesome talent in a sort of traditional type position that you can immediately build around and and increase his ceiling getting there faster. Certainly not traditional. Yeah, and I think Jaw like Jaw's best quality arguably is he makes everyone around him better. Zion doesn't have that. There's not a lot of players in the league that do. So why is Zion better than Jaw? I think 
moving forward, I think Zion has an ability that Ja may not be able to get at one day, which is back to what I've been kind of harping on. Like, if you need, like, I feel like in a pinch, you could just give Zion the ball and he can just, regardless of what the defense does, it doesn't even matter, he can go get you a bucket. And Ja right now can't do that. I'm not saying that he won't be able to do that, but it's not for certain, right? So one thing to even, like, basically go against my own point is that jaw has been on a uphill trajectory since high school he went to a mid-major terribly recruited was not a high recruit at all went to murray state freshman year had a pretty good year sophomore year blew up rookie year of the nba blew up second year still improving he shoots like 78 percent from the free throw line which shows he has incredible touch which usually people say that translates really well to three-point shooting right so I don't doubt that Jaw's not going to get there, but I think if like Zion is already at the point right now that if you just give him the ball and get out of the way, he's going to score. It's going to happen. Jaw unfortunately doesn't have that right now. Defenses can work around it to where Jaw on the offensive end of the floor, as far as a scoring perspective, can basically be taken out of the game. We've seen it before. I'm not saying that that happens often, but it does happen, right? And I think in a playoff series, whatever it may be, when all teams are focused, that's my whole thing on LaMelo. LaMelo's never had any of that. Teams, like, don't even know he's on the floor. His, like, stats to me are pointless. So, Ja, at times, the defense are – their main focus is, like, stop, Ja, stop, Ja, stop, Ja. And there are times where Ja stopped, right? And I think until he develops a jumper or an outside shot or at least a threat from there, I think he's going to be limited offensively. And I'm not saying he's not going to get there because I think he is. But I think Zion right now is already to a point unstoppable on the offensive end of the floor. And defensively, neither one of them are very good. So. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I I, I the one fifth. The if one I didn't say that. The one so, thing he's I will, still really high on my list. The one thing I will say though is I do think that. Uh, Zion actually can't. I don't think he. I I think he can pass really well. Like I don't think. I don't think it's just the black hole. Offensively, they're both great. Yeah. No, I think. Sure. I think that it's not like that's the special thing about Zion is he's almost like a guard, but he has this body of somebody that can't be stopped down low, even by somebody like Rudy Gobert. So like, well, Rudy Gobert, what are you yeah, gonna he do? Can't stop Jaw either because no, got he some, can't. We got some, no, he can't. We no, got some and, tape from the Jaw versus the Jazz where Rudy was like ducking his head, getting out of the way. Right. I'd rather have Jaw objectively. Would rather have Jock. Yeah, I so, mean that's a, a I good mean, argument. I have them four and five, so it's almost right. kind of like mm-hmm. a. I think you build. I think you build them together. If you together, ask me now, would, would I trade insane. straight up Pelicans call? I'm like, hey, we'll give you Zion for Jaw. I'd probably say no. What? Why would you? I don't understand that. Because I'm biased. Because I'm a Memphis well, fan and I love Jock. Okay, so that's the I think it's goggles. I think it's close enough to where I'm not gonna be like, oh my gosh. But if like Boston called or Mavericks called and we're like, Luca for Jaw, I'd be like, okay. Well, I also think it's really important to go back. I hope to I this. eat those words one day. I think it's important to go back to the future potential. I mean, there are risks involved with Zion because of his injuries. Things like that, Jaw too. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's flying up and down. I think they but I think you're looking at it in an ideal state. So it's like it's so close. It's yeah, so close. It is. Um, Which I, is so fun to debate. It yes. is. It's and, incredible that we can even have that debate. And I'll tell you who's not close: Trey Young. No. Nope. Okay, we'll move on. 
Uh, my Just to the diss tray really quick to round out my top five. Uh, I have Lucas, Zion, Ja, Tatum, and Mitchell. Cool. Did we all have the same top five at that point? Just in a different. Oh, you had Booker. I had Booger. You don't have Zion. I don't have Zion. Okay. Um, let's go then to our the let's bottom go half. Six through ten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll start. I have Booker. You talked about him, and I agree with everything you said. You had Booker six. I have Booker six. You had Booker five. I have Zion six. Okay. I had Booker seven. Okay. Who do you have six? Bam. Nice. The reason I have Bam is back to my why I kind of listed. Who impacts winning and who can dominate certain portions of games? And I think Bam is already showing those flashes, and he's still only, I think he's 23, correct? I think when Bam is like 27, I think he's going to be like a perennial defensive player of the year. I think he's just going to be a freak. He's going to be able to switch everything. Who's the who's the player right now that's contending that you're like that's Bam's future? Ooh, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't is know. there one? Um, is he is he destined to be like a different type? He's not Embiid. He's not a scorer no. like Embiid. I think he's more of like a Draymond. In the fact that yes. offensively he can be like, like a hub, but he's not a score, but you can run your offense through him, and he can make plays That's for others. He can hub. do a little bit of scoring. And defensively, he is like the anchor of all anchors. He can defend at one through five, everyone on the floor. De- yeah, defensively, he's just the best player on the floor every single night. And offensively, he's a creator, not necessarily like a score. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a take. I love Bam, but I did not put him in my top ten. That's that's fair. I think it's fair. Uh, because it's also hard with big men. I mean, you have yeah. to be very, very, very special to get in the top ten. And I think Bam is. He's in mine somewhere. But um, And Bam is one of those guys that, of all the people that we've already talked about, if you had to line them up and be like, give the Grizz one of them, I might even yeah. pick Bam first. Over Ja? No, 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 no. Like, who we don't have already. Oh. I would literally, I would, it would be, I'd be like, God, Bam would be awesome to have on your team. Um. All right. So he was my six, and Booker was, your, was my seven. Yeah. And who Zion is your six? I have Booker six. All right. This is when it gets interesting. I have Lamelo seven. Lamelo is not even in my top like six. Not in my top ten. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, the reason talk. why I have Lamelo <laughs> is because uh part of it is his age, nineteen. Um, I do think that despite his um, there's been talks of you know. Him being on the bench when at the end of games, things like that. I see that um, a lot of of that. I see as Charlotte just deciding to go with a guy like Rozier, um, and also they're not. I mean, they're fine. They're kind of like us, where they're a little bit over five hundred. Uh, I think that his uh, his ability to to do a lot of these sort of intangibles that I was talking about with Ja, his vision, uh, I think he has a shot already that's really good. And the fact that he is the height that he is, I think that when you're talking about potential, like he is pretty raw, but I can see a future there. And I could see that's a point guard that I would want to build around, uh, potentially because he is super unselfish, but can also shoot when he needs to shoot. And he's completely... Completely not what I expected him to be. I I thought he was going to be a bust, honestly. Um, but 
I think you're already seeing the way that his game translates, and I think that he's only going to get more and more opportunities in Charlotte as they build around him. So it was more of that is the most potential type play of of the list, obviously. Yeah, it was really hard for me to like want to give him a ton, a ton of credit just because of the situation that he walked into. Um, like, and I get that that's sort of partially why I downgraded Zion, um, but. I just I don't I'm not I don't know. Just not super high on him. I agree Still. with Brantley. And so when the whole so Kevin O'Connor came out with the who would you rather, you know, have on your team moving forward and he picked LaMelo over a lot of people, including John and Trey Young. I agree with the Trey Young part. And then Verno of came course. back with like what does he do when teams are like trying to stop him? A that's never happened. B, LaMelo's never had the basically, like, he's never had to just be given the ball and be like, all right, man, do something. This is you. What you got? He's never had to do that. And that's the hardest thing to do in the NBA. And Ja has already had to do that and has already hit multiple game winners and has already created multiple winning plays. And I know you have Ja obviously ahead of LaMelo. But uh, back to the shooting thing. So... Ja, greater sample size, has played a year of more basketball. This time last year, Ja was shooting like 37% from three. And everyone was like, ooh, that shot looks real good, man. You're not going to be able to go under anymore. Ja's awesome. Now, as it has progressed, Ja has played more ball. The three-point percentage has dropped back down maybe to the mean. And now everyone's like, ooh, Ja can't shoot. I would love to wait a year and see if LaMelo is still shooting 38% from three, 37%, whatever it is. If he's back down to like 30, I wonder what people say then because that's what happened to Ja. Ja sure. dropped like seven or eight percentage points, and then everyone's like, ooh, Ja can't shoot at all, like nothing. Yeah, I think part of this, though, is... He's played like 35 games. No, I agree. And I think having him at like three, as was the ESPN article, spoiler, that was the That's only reason big, why... Not that you have him stupid. seven, but the, the fact that they had him three is comical. So... That's the other thing too is like these lists are allowed to they're living and breathing like they're not totally in in a year we are going to get a better idea of what Lamelo can be yes. and he could even move higher uh, depending on how he plays sure I think it's just a it's a it's a hedge on uh, I think you're going to see some guys you know for instance he is five years younger than Mitchell and Booker like five that's in the NBA five seasons is an eternity like. He has that much time to get to a point where he can end up being that guy. And I think you're seeing the flashes now. Sure. Um, so, but I think it's just why. flashes. I we'll think see. that's all it is. We'll see. To me. Like, LaMelo has shown, he hasn't shown any tangible things to me. Like, to me, it's all flashes. Like, there's a reason Borrego sat him in the fourth, like Brantley said. Yeah. Maybe so. We'll see. So. Um, all right. Who did y'all have at seven? Trey Young. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I had Booker, which we've already talked about. I okay. had Simmons nice. because I'm basically like I had him nine. I think if he doesn't change at all, like he's yeah. an incredible, he's got incredible talent. He's I'm not convinced he's in the perfect situation. Get him out of Philly. Tatum yeah, and Simmons like, have already made all NBA teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he locked down best defender in the league. He can he can get up and down the court. Who cares if he can't shoot? Surround him with shooters, and he'd be incredible. I think you. T- I, he is my eight. Yeah, he's my nine. So my eight was Jalen Brown. 
Um, the reason is because Jalen Brown has taken a huge leap, it seems like, every year he's played. He's gotten exponentially better. This year, I watched him hang 50 on the Grizz, and he was just unconscious, and he's done that multiple times. I think if he continued to score, and he's a great perimeter defender, and I just love the way he plays. And I think he has the game to just get better and better and better. And he came out super raw out of college, right? And his trajectory is straight upward, and I think he has a chance to just continue to get better. Yeah. Um, I had Jalen at 12. I went a little bit farther. but uh, Brantley, do you have him in your top 10? Nope. All right. Sad. Uh, have you given us your eight? No, my eight is Brandon Ingram. Nice. Yeah. Again, I just – I don't know. He, I started to think about guys that I just, like, would buy low on, basically, like, because I think they're not getting enough credit in, like, this kind of category. And Ingram is playing well, but he's starting to get some shade thrown his way because he's not fitting with Zion. And, like, I mean, I, I, I love Jaron, but I think I would take Ingram over Jaron. Like I, I know that's I know that's not I love I love Jaron I think he's great upside but like I love both I mean they're both so great I mean I, I'd love both too I just I don't know yeah that no. was my lens and I like it was hard but that's fair Jaron can that. make me eat crow later and that's just that. especially with a fit along jaw um my nine was Bam yeah um who was your nine uh Ben Simmons nice all right my nine was Triple J really. Yeah, I put him in there. He's my ten because I was like, who would Jaren's my ten? I, I was looking at the list and I just like, like I know like w- the way that he was playing in the bubble last year was like we have we have a future. I had originally been saying Jaron can't be a number two on a championship team. He's maybe your three, and the way he was playing in the bubble last year against the Blazers made me really rethink it. So if he can get healthy, the way he was developing his ability to to create off the dribble, drive to the hoop, his three point percentage, we've talked about it enough. Like, and we were just, you know, Ty has lots of great chronicles discussing what he was going to be working on a pick and pop type scenario and the eavesdropping slash conversation he had with um, <laughs> former former coach coach ivy coach, coach ivy. ivy shout out city silo which is like the sketchiest thing ties maybe ever done in his life <laughs> i was not sketchy it was not we were in city silo we were <laughs> yeah, both yeah. ordering chicken caesar salads it's great that's really cute <laughs> i didn't even know they had chicken caesar there is it good anyway um yeah that's why that's i mean my lens was all who would i take ahead of our two guys and i couldn't get to somebody else honestly jaron was my 10 for all the all the reasons you just said i think he's 21 years old and he can do something that no other player on this entire list can do, which is protect the rim and be a extremely dangerous threat from three. Think of Bam Adebayo with a three-point shot, and I think that's what Jaron could be that's when why he's I didn't Bam's have Bam. age. That's why I'm taking Jaron over Bam. When Jaron is Bam's age in two years – it wouldn't shock me if he is just a perennial, just freak on defense and also shooting 40% from three. And I think that is incredibly rare. And he's still growing because now he's seven foot, which is awesome. I hope y'all are right. That's pretty – I mean, I don't disagree with the offensive part of it. Um, I had uh, – my 10th was SGA. I think that he I like him. is – He was in my consideration Just for sure. another big point guard who the, OK, or the Thunder have decided to – 
um, basically treat as one of their anchors. And I think that he, um, despite his situation right now, is going to be really, really good. He can do every single thing on the court. Um, his defense has to get a little bit better, which is why I think he's at 10 for me. Um, but I can see him rising on this list in the next couple of years. He's my number 10 too. And just simply from like, where would the Thunder be if he wasn't on their team? Like they're, everybody thought that they were going to be like in, you know, the top for the lottery this year and they're super competitive and it's because of him. Yep. Um, cool. That was our list. Wait, you have 10? Jaron was 10. Jaron was my 10. And who's nine again? You didn't have Trip J in your top 10. Jaron was my 10, should have been third. Jaron is probably in the teens for me. If Jaron is the best player on this list in five years, I would not just be like, my mind wouldn't be blown. Wow. That's a heater. That's a take. Man, that was a fastball. I think Jaron is like, I just, I can't get it out of my head that he could, like, he's, people are sleeping on how good he can be. I just think that he is, uh, he is going to be arguably, to me, his ceiling is arguably the best, uh, you know, second guy in the league, which is not a bad thing to be. I think he can be your, I just don't know, man. Like, if he continues shooting 40% from three while also developing everything else on offense and stops fouling, which he will stop fouling the older he gets, and he grew an inch this summer, and he's going to continue to gain weight. Think about what Giannis looked like when he was 20, and now he's 26. Look at Giannis. Think about Jaron when he's 26. He is going to be an animal. I just can't wait to see it. I just I think he may be our best player. That's including Ja. I think in five years, Jaron might be our best player. Ty, That's probably the take. Plant your flag. No, you're, you're, you're. I love it. It's a great Grizz take. It is. I think people just, I get Ja. I get it. Like, Ja is super fun. He does things no one else in the league can do. But I think in five or six years, Jaron could just be, I think he could just be incredible. I think that Jaron at one point is going to be the most underrated player in the NBA. That's what I'll say. Like, he's not, I, I think he'll get paid. I think he'll get all the, the He'll get financial he treatment. Sure. He'll get all the the looks that he wants. Yeah. But I think that in in terms of unless Dylan takes all of his that, shots, right? In terms of the outside, uh, you know, the shine. I don't know. Like I to me again, he wasn't on this list. He wasn't on the top twenty five list. No, he wasn't. DeAndre Ayton is not closing games for the Suns. They're playing Dario Saric over him. Mikael Bridges situations. was on the list too. Yeah. Insane. Which he's great, but John I would, Jared, Jared Allen was on there. Over Jared, Jared Allen was on the list. Yeah, I like Jaron was I mean, not I too, on the but list. Over Jared? No. Jaron shot forty percent from three and averaged like two blocks per thirty six. <laughs> no other player in the league did that last year. All right, he's twenty. Twenty one now. That was a, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, let's get to our segments. We'll 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 try to rip through these Grizz history moment, guys. Today, part three of the pod. Today, yeah. Today, uh, I think it was uh, 10 years ago today, it was actually, uh, the Grizzlies clinched uh, the playoff berth for the first time in in like seven years. And that's when we made the eighth seed and went on to uh, beat the Spurs. 2011, never forget it. It was the iconic uh, Tony Allen picture of him just like holding the, the jersey out, walking off the floor. It was an incredible game. 
Um, it was the year I moved to Memphis. Antonio McDice wow. retired it's that true. year because Zebo just series. worked him so hard. He was like, I can't do this anymore. You want to s- quit? You want to see how much basketball has changed in ten years? Go back and watch that series on YouTube. Oh. Antonio McDice Sam and Tim Young Duncan was a were both starting on an NBA playoff team. <laughs> that too. Um, all right, Brantley. Any top shot updates for us this week? You know, um, we we've been in a massive hold position. Uh, the market has been sort of interesting. Um, there were some announcements since we last talked about some investments that came into the Top Shot platform um, from people like Will Smith, um, and there were some others. So I think that there's a lot of hope that there's going to be some infrastructure enhancements that's going to allow the platform to grow a little bit more. It has not necessarily impacted the value of any of our cards or moments in the direction that um, that I would I would hope. So I'm going to hold. I've got a pack coming my direction in the next couple of weeks that I paid $9 for. Um, previous packs have had about a ROI of... Mm, we'll call it like 150% at a minimum. I've been able to make back what I buy on a pack. So, okay. Maybe we'll have some like release. Like it a just lot. takes one, though. It, I mean, even the ones that are crappy, one. you still can sell for like five bucks. And, you know, that basically pays for the pack. And then the other two cards, you can make money off of Are we going to do a live opening we can, we can, on the we pod? We should. We could totally do that. Let's do it. It'd be awesome. It's going to be really anticlimactic when it's like <laughs> <laughs> name crappy crappy player XYZ and that's who when we get. When it's Trey Young drawing a foul. That actually would be awesome because it'd probably be worth a ton of money. Kevin Herter. And I would gladly a sell, pull up. sell that, that's the, uh, Antonio the dumb, dumb wrapped in, wrapped in hair. If you haven't seen... The picture of a dum dum that has fallen on a haircut salon <laughs> studio floor, wrapped in hair, and then comparing that to Trey Young. Do yourself a favor and go search for it on Twitter. It's amazing. All right, let's get to bed. <laughs> bed of the week. Will's like, we're cutting that out. <laughs> no, I I said last pod you can't spell Trey without rat. So I mean, I don't think that I'm not holding anything back. All right, Ty, uh, what's your bet of the week? Bet of the week, Phoenix Suns. Win the West, plus 1,200. Lock it in. Tell you why. Wait, wait, real quick before you do that, okay? Tell us the last two bets you made plus this one, and then tell us why. First bet I made was New Orleans to win the division, Southwest division. Not looking good, that's for sure, because Dallas is getting real hot, and the Grizz are like five games ahead of New Orleans. Second bet I made was Philly to win the whole damn thing. Mm, not looking good. Not even knowing the East because Brooklyn is just the best team ever, maybe. So that's not looking great. But my odds are, like, really good. So those are my first two. And then my this week's is Phoenix to win the West, plus 1,200. This is why. They've been incredibly healthy to this point. That could always fail when your point guard's you didn't 78 the years old. broke about... Booker, he's playing. I'm watching him right now. <laughs> don't oh, you don't even start with that. Nice. Lakers may drop to the play-in. They're really in really tough spot. They're gonna have to have a really hard matchup. Utah shoots a ton of threes. If they happen to not fall, could be in trouble. 
Clippers are obviously going to explode. That's the most, just, of course, that's going to happen. And Denver obviously looks really good, too. I should have bet on Denver. But I think Chris Paul and I think Booker's going to have kind of what you were saying earlier, Brantley. I can't wait to see what he looks like in the playoffs, and I think he's going to come ready to play and prove it because he's always been good stats, bad team, and I think he's going to be like, nah, that ain't me. I can see Phoenix sneaky getting out of the West, and plus 1,200 is great odds for that. That's betting a dollar. Market to win twelve. All right, Brantley. That's what how were multiplication y- works? What were your past two bets, and what is your your bet of the week this um, week? I had the Charlotte Hornets, like buzz like a Hornet, um, little LFO pop culture <laughs> reference there for you, William Shakespeare. Anyway, he wrote a whole lot of sonnets. Sonnets. That's how they rhyme there. Uh, to win the Southeast Division at plus seven hundred. Um, I actually can cash that out right now on FanDuel and get my money back. My one dollar may have to do that in a bit. Um, I have because that's not. I don't really know if I believe in that bet as much anymore. So, if you bet a hundred, get your money back. Um, I had the Suns to win the Pacific Division at plus three thirty odds. So that's looking pretty good. Um, I think currently. Um, and honestly, I really struggled this week. And so I just decided to zag really hard and look for a lot of value. I don't think that this is going to come true, but I think that there's may, if there's anybody that has maybe a, an outside chance of usurping Nikola Jokic for the MVP, it's James Harden, as much as I hate to admit it. He's hurt now for a little bit of time, you know? No, I don't know that, actually. Just, so now I'm not up to my MVP, MVP I'm gonna rise He's out a couple silver. weeks. Okay, well, so now I just that, – that's a wasted dollar. <laughs> I can still cash out Is that Jokic one. still the favorite, though? Yeah. Currently the favorite? He's the only one with not plus odds. Is it like minus 100? It's like minus 125. Yep. Well, <laughs> screw everything I just said. I'm <laughs> cashing that dollar out and getting it back. <laughs> he has a hamstring. He's out for like another week. I mean, he probably won't miss that much. I don't know. I just was like, I and mean, Katie just came back too. So it went five for five. Yeah, and put up seventeen points in like twelve minutes. Yep, they're so good. Whoever bet them to win the, who was it? Either one of y'all. I did. You bet them to win the title. Three to one. So did I. At three to one odds. So what, same three to one odds. I, I did it on the pod. I hope y'all and put then real did it money in real on life. That. I put real money on it. I put real money. They are the, not going to lose. Putting real money on all of these things. It wouldn't surprise me if they lose like two games all the way through the playoffs. They are going to be unreal. All right. Well, I, what did you do? I had Brooklyn in week one plus three hundred to win the title. I also have Phoenix as the division winner um, in the Pacific Division. That'd be a nice hedge for me. Wait, and we both, we both did that one. No, you had a Charlotte, and you had. Um, I have Phoenix too. Um, I'll have to listen back. Maybe I just bet on that one after you did it because I liked it. I was positive. I uh, I think you I remember in the podcast. Oh, I remember. Let's just listen back. I'm sorry. My very very first one. This was a really not great take. Was LeBron the Wiz MVP. to make the playoffs at plus three thirty? Ah, that's what it was. And I remember I, you saying yeah. you thought about Phoenix winning the division. That's what I had down as mine. That's right. And that's what I did. I actually bet on the Phoenix one. Yeah, they're um, they're they're leading that division right now. Um. All right. So. My 
my uh if you look at the website 538 they're kind of a data website they have two teams that are tied right now for chance to win the finals one is brooklyn the other might surprise you milwaukee the la clippers they Boo. have both at 18% clips are the worst i am going to um trust the data here we're watching them play phoenix right now actually and I'm going to take the Clippers at five to one. I hate that to win the finals. I hate it. Um, I the, don't want to root for that. The case for LA to win the finals is things fall apart for Utah and Phoenix. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in any series, and um, Brooklyn has an issue with uh, Kyrie leaving. And James Harden being him himself in the playoffs, and Katie not being able to carry the load. That's the that's the case. Talk about all three of those players. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, Katie's going to average as many. Well, I already have Brooklyn. Shot. I already have Brooklyn, so I'm, go- this I'm is cool. I'm cool with hedge. that. This is a hedge. Hard hedge. I, I should have said probably L.A. Conference. Pandemic but I'm, The odds weren't as good. Just hit the side of the backboard <laughs> a bunch. Yeah, I know. This is the one where um, I'm least sure about, obviously. But I was surprised to see that. They might know something I don't. So I'm going to, you know. Yeah, that's okay. Go with that. My Philly to win the title is not looking great right now. That's for sure. Well, who knows? That's who why knows? these are futures in Vegas as well. They win money. They do. <laughs> um, well, that was bet of the week. And now let's finish out by just talking about what the Grizz have next. Uh, if you part four, if you've stuck with us through this, props to you. You're a real fan, um, and yeah. So we have a five game stretch here, and we were talking about this beforehand. Where we gotta we, win. Like, we really need to go above five hundred yeah, on this. We gotta five win game three stretch. of the next five. It's at at the Knicks tomorrow night or tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, uh, Pacers at home, Bulls at home, Mavs at home, and then in Chicago against the Bulls. After that. It heats up fast. We play the Bucks, then the Nuggets, then the Clippers, the Blazers twice, then the Nuggets, then the Blazers again. Um, that is a seven-game stretch that we really need to solidify where we are before then. And also the game to watch, uh, which will happen between the time that we're recording and then the time that we'll speak to you next, is uh, the Mavericks, which is uh, next Wednesday. So... It is a home game against the Mavericks. We are a game and a half back from the Mavericks right now. Mavericks are in the seventh seed. So um, if we can somehow squeak out a win there and take care of business against the teams that we're better than already, then we'll at least go into the seven-game stretch feeling a little bit good about ourselves. Um, But anyway... Fun times ahead. Let's finish it out like we do every time. Hammer nail coffin, guys. What is one thing that you're watching for in the next two weeks in regards to the Grizzlies? Trip J coming back. That's it. I hope that he's back before we talk next. That would be fantastic. I say we just don't talk next until he comes back. I might miss you guys. We'll see. That seems sort of such a long time. <laughs> I hope he comes back before in the teens of April. That would be great. Before the 20s. What about you, Brantley? What are you looking for? Honestly, we didn't really mention it, but I'm hoping that Jaws' back injury doesn't linger. Yeah, It's kind of like lower back thing. 
Uh, it, it's obviously been really, I guess, prevalent maybe the past three games. And um, you could certainly see him working through it in last night's game against the Hawk. He was still having an impact, but wasn't didn't really seem true to form. So with this stretch that's coming up, I mean, we really need him to not have that type of lingering pain. Yep. Um, we talked about it a lot today, but we're all Team Melton on this podcast. I want to see Melton get a real spot in the rotation and I also don't want that to come at the expense of Grayson Allen's shooting performance, but um, I think we'd all agree that we'd like to see Melton play. And so that's what, uh, here's to hoping that that happens, um, however Jenkins decides to do it. Um, this has been another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to follow us on social media, go to at Grizzden on Instagram, at Grizz underscore Den on Twitter. Go to grizzden.com. We got some fun shirts there for you. Um, but until next time, for Brantley and Ty and Will, thanks for joining us.